My name is Freddie Cruz, and as you know, I have made it my job to share with you the stories of the individuals, the organizations, the businesses making the greater Houston area great. One such individual is a chocolatier. Oh my goodness. Her name is Dr. Beata Lerman. She is the founder of Sinless Treats. Check her out at sinlesstreats.us. Her chocolates are incredible. They are sugar-free. And during this episode, we are going to talk about her candy that is so good and leaves out all the bad stuff. We're going to talk about her journey to entrepreneurship, her life as a cancer survivor, and she's a scientist, y'all. So we're going to dive into all the things during this episode. We are recording live from the Charlie Mike Pearland Podcast Studio, founded by, by my buddy, Raul Moreno. His partner, William Garay, the two will take care of you if you're in the greater Houston area. Please stop by the Pearland Podcast Studio to get you a podcast episode recorded, hopefully a bunch of them, and you can check them out on all the socials as well as pearlandpodcaststudio.com. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did putting it together for you, please like and subscribe to the show and share with your family members and friends. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Florida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Tell you go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. How hard is it for you to keep from eating all of your inventory. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, we make a lot. We constantly manufacture chocolate. We constantly craft our chocolate in these beautiful bonbons. I mean, um, you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at me, but I eat about a pound of chocolate a day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. A pound <laughs> of chocolate, but it's because it's sugar-free that you're not 700 pounds. Exactly. <laughs> So I, I don't, I mean, you know, what's the point of uh, being the Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory without being able to enjoy all of it? <laughs> I mean, seriously. And so you brought me this box. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you brought me a box of goodies and I've tried two of them. And one of them is your pride and joy. And so let's start with that. Absolutely. So... Let me tell you the inspiration behind Sinless Treats. Yes. As uh, you mentioned in your introduction, um, I am a cancer scientist. I'm an immune oncologist. I have a PhD um, in immune oncology out of MD Anderson Cancer Center. And what I did before I was uh, making chocolate is um, I was uh, developing cancer, cancer cures. And uh, very successfully as well. So I have two patents with MD Anderson for cancer immunotherapy, which is actively being used. And one thing I know being a scientist is sugar helps cancer grow. Mm -hmm. Basically, it feeds cancer. And so when you when someone gets diagnosed with cancer, hopefully nobody will ever, because that's a horrible thing to do. But um, I happened to develop cancer later, like after, after I already had my PhD, after I already had my inventions in cancer. 
uh, I was diagnosed with lymphoma in uh, the late 2018 and got treated for it uh, in 2019 at MD Anderson with uh, actually my immunotherapy being part of it. <laughs> Wait a minute. You actually cured yourself in part. That is... Yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's not the story you would hear very often. It's like out of a movie. It's still surreal to me, trust me. <laughs> so I decided to quit all sugar. So I am... And I'm sorry to interrupt. When you say you decided to quit, how much of that was Im- influenced by medical professionals who were like, well, you know, Beata. None of that. Oh, okay. So this is 100% voluntary. Yes. Okay. So that's uh, 100% based on uh, knowledge of biochemistry and cancer pathways and, you know, a lot of science and uh, very much ongoing scientific progress about um, the involvement of sugar in cancer progression. MD Anderson actually just had a town hall. It's like... um, a um, progress report, so to state, state of the union mm. uh, of a sort. And they actually implicated sugar in uh, as a driver of a lot of cancer mutations. And now there are uh, scientists and doctors who are trying to root out sugar from any MD Anderson like concessions and things like that. So we were a little ahead of our times, but this is really happening. And so I decided to, well, when I made the decision to quit sugar, one thing that I was absolutely missing, because I can live without cakes, I can live without cookies, but I can't live without chocolate. Chocolate yeah. is the lifeline of my life. Mm-hmm. And I started looking for alternatives. And a lot of people can probably sympathize with the fact that if it's healthy, it's unpalatable. And if it's even remotely good tasting, you look at the ingredients and you find that it's still horrible for you. Yeah. You're mortified when you really look at that bottom list of things. And then you start to fall into that Google rabbit hole and you, and you learn that, well, there are all these, uh, like yellow number, whatever, and blue number, whatever. Oh wait, they're banned in Europe, but somehow they're still on sale and dirt cheap here in the United States. And then you fall into a YouTube rabbit hole and then it's a TikTok rabbit hole. Next thing you know, you find yourself talking to a, a cancer survivor who, almost pretty much cured herself and now she's making sugar-free chocolate and then you find out all the things that big, can we say it? There's big pharma, there's big government, there's big whatever, big candy, all these things that big candy, uh, big food is doing to our supply. It's like, oh my God, is it safe to eat anymore? Uh, You know, that's a really good question and it's, it's one that I... It's my heel to die on now Mm. because a lot of chronic progressive diseases, unfortunately, there is a lot of linking and association with the food we're eating Mm -hmm. and, you know, the high content of sugar and fructose and, you know, uh, unsaturated, hydrogenated fats, which were never supposed to be in our diet, but in order to make things shelf stable... It's there. So uh, when I was looking for that chocolate to replace my one true love, (laughs) (laughs) I could not find it. And so my very first challenge was, I was like, well, I'm a biochemist. I can invent it. Uh, Let me tell you, my first dive into chocolate 
ended in a miserable crash. I, I was trying to take a 100% um, chocolate, so unsweetened chocolate, and sweeten it with something that would be clean. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, non-metabolic or metabolically beneficial, something like, you know, um, uh, fiber that is sweet or erythritol or something. Okay, I'm sorry. Fiber is sweet. There are type of fibers that are sweet, called inulin. It comes from chicory plant, and we have plenty of that in Texas. Ch- chicory? Uh-huh. Okay. So that it's, huh. it's called chicory fiber or chicory inulin, uh, one of that. That is actually sweet. Plentiful in Texas. Yeah. Worth note, plentiful in Texas, non-metabolic, yet somehow there was no sugar-free chocolate for you to find. Um. Not commercially available. Not commercially. Oh my God. This is breaking my head um, and not in a good way. Okay. So we have your origin story. You you are essentially the chocolate superhero that is going to save a lot of lives. And that's really what I, I, I hope that happens because your business, it's sinless treats and you've been at it for a year. And I want to go back, because I do want to talk about the candy, but I want to go back to something you had said about cancer mutations uh, related to sugar. And so I want to formulate this question the right way. Um, When you talk about cancer mutations, keeping in mind that I need this explained to me like I'm a Mm four-year-old. When you talk about cancer mutations as it relates to sugar, um, are you talking about cancer getting worse and mutating and going from, let's say, for instance, your brain to your liver, to your colon. Now it's all over the place and, you're, and you can't be cured? Or is it something else? So they are linked, but not... Um, the, w- w- the two things that you said, they are two different things. Okay. So what was addressed in the town hall and something that we've known um, as biochemists and immunologists for a long time is excess sugar actually changes metabolism. And if you consider what is metabolism, is basically how our body, how our cells generate energy, energy for us to breathe, energy for us to wake up in the morning, even energy for us to, you know, sleep and see dreams and get everything cleaned up while we're sleeping. So every process while we're alive requires energy Mm -hmm. that happens inside of every cell of the body. So what sugar does, and the reason I think that, uh, you know, MD Anderson scientists mentioned this in the town hall is they disrupt those metabolic systems they put them out of whack and then when things are out of whack uh, a lot of detrimental things have an opportunity to grow because there isn't enough energy to go around and to so-called patrolling um, the the right state of our bodies Mm -hmm. but also um, what you mentioned about um, cancer spreading, um, in, in science we have something that's called uh, soil and seed hypothesis. Soil and seed hypothesis. means a cancer cell is not compatible with going just anywhere and produce another cancer. It 
like for example, if it's breast cancer, very often it metastasizes in the brain. So the brain, because it's a primary consumer of uh, glucose, mm -hmm. that particular cancer finds it very comfortable to go in the brain and cause problem there. It doesn't mean that it just goes in the brain. It goes everywhere, but it just doesn't take in everywhere. It's a tendency? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is, there is a, um, a um, profile, so to speak, that we know where to look for. For example, like a bone, can a bone cancer would go into like liver or kidneys. Like that's the uh, fertile soil for that type of. Mm -hmm. and, and plus there's just so many of them. So th there is a pattern. Definitely. Oh my goodness. But, you know, there's been more than enough data right now, even from medical doctors who view, like, who were faced just as I did with adverse events in their lives, either through cancer or autoimmunity, which is the other side of the spectrum, who discovered that um, once they um, went on the real food, in their diet means nothing was processed, nothing came out of the package, and they cut down on the carbs consumption. It went back into balance, amazingly. Hmm. It's like, you know, who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> you eat food that actually looks like food that actually came from the ground that might come from an actual animal that wasn't put through all these rigorous processes, then, hey, you're healthy, and you drink something that's clear and tasteless, you know, <clears throat> water instead of soda, that, wow, I'm healthy all of a sudden. Who would have thunk it? It's yep. crazy. Yep. Cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> okay. So when it came to me, uh, I, I was diagnosed, as I said, with cutaneous T-cell lymphoma in uh, 2018. I'm sorry, say that again. Cutaneous T-cell lymphoma means my immune system defender cells were defecting on me. Mm, so not defending you, not doing their job. Not doing, not their, doing job. their job. Attacking, like forming tumors everywhere. Mm. And my daughter was two years old at the time. No, a year and three months old. My husband, of course, absolutely freaked out. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know... Um, as I said, I was like, you know, I know my enemy's face. I know what we have to do. Um, so, and and we did it and it worked. But, you know, for me, I don't want my daughter to grow up without me. I want to be around. So if that means that I don't eat another processed carb in my life, so be it. Small price to pay. I, I agree. Chicory, going back to the chocolates, chicory is so plentiful here in Texas and, um, and there's nothing commercially available. You found this, but then there's also erythritol. And I had seen you talk about that in a previous video of yours on Instagram, where there are certain individuals that were sort of, that were, I guess, for lack of a better term, trashing the use of this. Well, there wasn't certain individual. This was a medical community that did a clinical trial that somehow associated erythritol with uh, increased possibility of heart attacks. And that myth was 
is any anything short of debunked right now. Mm. It was a trash clinical trial. But uh, when it got published, my phone was ringing off the hook because in addition to my R&D side of the career, I was also in consulting for a while before, in between the time I graduated and the time I started my entrepreneurial journey. And so I worked as in the medical affairs uh, for pharma companies. I worked in medical communications. I have a lot of doctors that um, uh, are very good friends of mine and took my advice and more than a few occasions and people were starting to call me and they're like, did you see this? Did you see this? What are you saying? What, what is your comment? And I said, what are you people talking about? It was early morning. I just dropped my, uh, my little daughter off to school and everybody's calling me. And I said, what are you talking about? Like clinical trial about erythritol. And I said, send it to me. I'll get to work. I'll take a look. So I did. And here's the thing I'm going to give a very quick synopsis of the problems I had with that clinical trial. The very first thing that I do when in any clinical trial, really not just that one, is I see who funded the clinical trial. I went and I looked and the main um, principal investigator, so the main doctor scientist in charge of the clinical trial, actively received the contribution from Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble, of course, is an owner of many, many processed food brands. It's not in their interest to really phase out sugar and replace it with safe sugar alternative. So that was the first thing. And I said, okay, now that I know that, I'm going to really try to let them make an argument to convince me that what they did was cleanly done with proper controls, with good, you know, number of participants. So the another problem was they never ran it on the healthy population. They, the, the, their sample size were people with heart disease. So that was not a clean trial to begin with. It wasn't like, you know, healthy people who never consume erythritol versus healthy people who consume the erythritol and let's compare them to, you know, um, let's compare their heart outcomes. They were people who were already sick. They had eight people in their uh, healthy control group. And they said, oh, but those eight people had... Um, you know, activated thrombocytes. Well, it was a very convenient time to say because we were just coming out. Of and I'm the sorry, you said an activated what? Tr thrombocytes is the cells that form uh, plaques and essentially can cause the heart attack. Plaques. Okay, that's yeah. what that's what clogs your yeah, arteries. Exactly. And gives you yeah. The, yeah. Okay. And you know, we were coming out at the tail end of the COVID pandemic, and. Mm -hmm. As, as a medical professional scientist, we know whether you had COVID as a disease actively or, you know, inactively, or if you got the COVID vaccine, it activated thrombocytes. That's why, you know, all of those people had, you know, myocarditis and all of the side effects. So it was a very convenient association to say, oh, erythritol did it. The last problem with that trial is that people who did the trial, never actually gave people to ingest erythritol. They don't have data of people actually consuming erythritol. No. Oh, yeah, it's, it's that bad. Oh, my goodness. They measured it in the blood, but also, very conveniently, uh, erythritol is a byproduct that is made by our gut microbiome bacteria. 
and they naturally occur in our body as a metabolite of the consuming, like th those, those microorganisms, those microbiome that lives in us. Okay, I had no idea erythritol was naturally occurring in the human body. So when people talk about erythritol as an artificial sweetener, it is not. It is absolutely natural. It happens in fruits. It happens in our own body. And um, yeah, it was just a bad trial. And I felt compelled with the number of calls that I got yeah. to go on the Instagram and record that video that you, you saw. Yeah. And then basically that was repeated a hundred different times. So I, re I recorded that on day two of this bombshell. Yeah. And uh, then t within the next couple of months, everybody who was anybody was just bulldozing that that clinical trial down into the ground and, and this information is not just hidden i mean you can find this if you were to look if oh, yeah. do your it's like if you were to do your own research and be like huh, i want to i want to know more about this you can find the the png type yeah yeah know, it's can, it's it's right it's there all public it is all public all you need to do is actually right. open it up and read yeah <laughs> People don't like to do that. I know everybody has a very, very busy life. Yeah. But I think that it's very important that um, people start getting control of the information back into their hands. And it's a small, pr again, small price to pay. Now, I was today years old <laughs> when I learned that erythritol is naturally occurring in, in the human body. And you look at the name, it looks like... An art of, the name itself, it's an unfortunate name. It doesn't sound like a natural name. It doesn't sound like something that, oh, I already have that in my body. It sounds like something that some mad scientist cooked up and was like, oh, you know, we're going to help. We're, we're going to make food dirt cheap in America and we're going to get everybody fat and lazy and it's going to be because of erythritol. <laughs> okay, what about nicotinamide? Does that See, sound like that, it naturally occurs in That does not sound naturally occurring, okay. is it? It is. It is. Every oh, movement of your limb, every signal yeah. see? that goes from the brain to our yeah. extremities, goes through yeah. uh, nicotinic acetylcholine receptors that is natural occurring into our bodies. I know I, I said a lot of gibberish right now, but we as people gave yeah. a lot of names to the molecules that mm. don't sound natural. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, but nevertheless, it's unfortunate. It, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the, let's get to the fun stuff. Uh, the candy and thank you so much for bringing this box, uh, in here. I I'm still shocked. You eat a pound of chocolate every day. <laughs> um, but okay. So this one right here, you called this one, uh, your, your pride and joy. It's the splash. Yes. And so is this your, this is your first one that you ever made the first formula? No. Or? So it was not, okay. um, I don't even remember it was somewhere down the middle. Okay. So let's go back to the, to, to just this one right here. It's splash. It's called Bailey's Splash. Bailey's Splash. Yes, yeah. Bailey as in the liquor. Yes, uh, because that's made with the actual liquor. So, mm -hmm. so the, the beautiful thing about this chocolate, we don't use any artificial ingredients. What do you think? I mean, I know it's sinless treats, but this is sinful. <laughs> it's <laughs> simply good. I mean, no, for real, this is so good. Okay, so... I taste, um, I don't think I've ever had Bailey's. If I have, I'm old, I'm 48. So if I've ever had Bailey's, I don't remember. 
not because I was drunk. But ha- have you ever had like Irish coffee? I think I may have had an Irish coffee. Is it like an uh, cream liqueur or something? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm tasting because it is creamy, almost caramelish. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that chocolate has under one gram of net carb. Oops. Yeah, it is. It is um, soft and creamy. Uh, huh. So, uh, why sinless treats? Because I couldn't find chocolate that would be clean without any kind of artificial ingredients. But you mentioned the rabbit holes, and the rabbit holes go very, very deep, (laughs) even in the big chocolate industry. How many pages deep into a Google search? Are we talking nine, ten, triple digits in like the hundredth Google page of a Google search? How deep? Probably easily that. But what I... So, so, so when I started to think about how can I sweeten chocolate that already exists, and um, I realized that no, I cannot get inulin in the water or erythritol and inulin and, or any other kind of combination of good metabolically beneficial sweeteners, uh, because chocolate is actually fat. It's good fat. Mm-hmm. It's fat that uh, actually builds out your brain, which is why you feel so good when you eat chocolate. And it has anti antioxidants. Absolutely, full of antioxidants mm-hmm. if it's done right. Uh, full of uh, you know uh, very stimulating compounds like thiobromins. Full of. Um, I'm sorry, we're in America speaking English. <laughs> thiobromin. <laughs> uh, it's essentially a very similar compound to caffeine, but it doesn't okay. make you like. Crazy. Jittery. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, it's like drinking tea. Tea gotcha. has a lot. Like a little green tea boost. Yes, exactly. Okay. okay. But you supposed to feel really great after eating chocolate. A lot of people feel great after eating chocolate. The problem is very often they get into that high and feeling great. And then there is a sugar crash. Yes. And that was, I was what I was trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. So, um, then there is a whole different level of what is chocolate made out of, and that's cacao beans. Mm-hmm. And then you start going into a rabbit hole of cacao beans, and it's like, you know, where do they come from? Yeah. A lot of them come from Africa. Africa is absolutely essential for big chocolate industry. But if you ever was at the chocolate farms, and I go to the farms that supply me once a year to all of them, and I volunteer, and it's a very fun time, um, there is a disease that goes around that kills cacao fruits. It's a fungal disease. And so a lot of uh, uh, crops, cacao crops in Africa, they've been genetically modified to battle this disease because they're so vast. Africa supplies 78% of the world cacao in just three countries, uh, Ivory Coast, Ghana, and Cameroon. 78%. 78% of all cacao trade. And so when there's a fungus going around, I mean, that really has, a, that's going to do some damage. Oh, it's going to have huge impact. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they genetically modify the cacao to express different antibiotics mm-hmm. to not kill the, the plants. And then they spray it with massive amount of um, pesticides. And then you have a consumer report, which says that our chocolate has huge amount of cadmium and lead, which is really horrible in its own way. So when I started to research how cacao is made and where it comes from, I actually went to Costa Rica 
and a few other countries in Latin America. And I visited some farms and I started asking questions. And I realized that there are farmers that do things right, do things organically and cleanly, risking, you know, not having those yields. So I get our cacao from uh, Ecuador, and it's a very unique cacao variety. It's called Cacao Nacional, or also known as Original DNA Cacao. That means the cacao, the way Mayan used to have that, and Ooh. Aztecs used to have that yeah. in their you know, ceremonies. The, the very, very original taste of cacao that, you know, European colonizers then got out mm-hmm. and, you know, the way the chocolate should be. Okay. Is that the big one that I had seen on your Instagram feed? There was a video. It, it looked like it was the size of a, a big piece of fruit. So cacao is fruit. Uh, oh, it's not. So it's okay. <laughs> and if you. I'm a dummy. You, I thought it might've been a bean or something. <laughs> so actually every once in a while, uh, every time I get the shipment from Ecuador, they put a few fruits in there for me and I'm about to receive another one. My daughter absolutely loves. So cacao is a fruit. It's actually sweet when it's fresh. Okay. And I invite you to come stop by. I'm actually in Bel Air about yeah. 20 minutes away from here. Okay. And I would treat you to trying the fresh cacao. It's Thank absolutely you. unbelievable experience. I'll accept that invite. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I will I will open it up and I will let you interact with it. It's 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 mind blowing. It it tastes sweet, a little sourish, kind of like apple okay. with the chocolate aftertaste. It it will bend huh. your mind. Interesting. Wow. But you know uh I've seen how they do, what they do with that cacao. And I can tell you the process because I have so many videos of, uh, you know, growing and being at the farm. So we get up at five in the morning and we get on the the golf cart. And the way that they grow the trees in the farms that supply us, they don't monocrop. They actually like do it organically like they were in the rainforest that where they were found in 2013, Mm -hmm. because that cacao sort was thought to be extinct as recently as 2012. But when the small amount of those trees were found, actually got all of the scientists and botanists and plant geneticists, and they did a DNA analysis on on a tree and realized that it didn't match any of the existing cacao sort. And then they matched it to, you know, the extinction records and, you know, samples and things like that. So it's called Cacao Nacional because it's like a national treasure of Latin America. Mm. And that's the one in Ecuador. Ecuador and Costa Rica also cultivates that. So um, when I was uh, looking for suppliers, of course, I would like to have a diversified supplier source. But what I want to have is a consistent approach to that cacao. And it's, I, I, I usually tell people it's the most babied cacao in the world because Get this, in the morning, they go and they go past every tree and they have like a little chart that they go. And it's like hundreds of trees, right? Yeah. And they look for the cacao fruits that are turning color. So if there's anything to know about the cacao fruits, it can start any color and it can end any color. No it, way. Yeah. So it, it huh. doesn't all start green and end up red yeah it can start purple and end up yellow it can start uh kind of yellowish and uh like end up green can start a green yeah different different sorts of cacao 
turn different colors. But the only way you know that the pod, the fruit, is ripe is when it completely turns from one color to another color. Okay. So they go and they basically um, record which pods turn on which trees mm-hmm. in the morning because they will they would know that they will have to go and harvest those pods in the evening because if they let it stay overnight the fungus would take over them and because there is no antibiotics to protect them that's going to be a wasted fruit mm-hmm. so it has to be the most babied it is it absolutely it, it, is i mean by necessity yeah yeah because i mean ha- yeah and this is why, you know, it can't be cheap. It's not as cheap as uh, African cacao that's just, you know, monocropped and mm-hmm. produced in massive quantities. Uh, but, you know, I would much rather pay a premium knowing that there is no... And, 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 and as a result of that, we analyzed our chocolate twice for cadmium and lead on the heels of that consumer report that showed that a lot of chocolate has... Um, the amount that are so high, it's prohibitive of heavy metals. So we tested, we, we had it, of course, lab tested before we opened. And then when that report came around, we sent it back to Oregon to the food lab and we specifically tested for cadmium and lead and it was non-detected. So it's a very scientific approach to the chocolate. Yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> I mean, I am. Yeah, it, it's hard. To make, it's hard to render me speechless, but you have rendered me speechless. Okay, um, y'all, this candy tastes so good. I mean, I, it, it's candy. It's chocolate. So this if you didn't know that it was sugar-free, would you be, ever be able to tell? No. Um, what I like about it is that. It's the perfect amount of sweet because there is a, and I don't know if maybe this is, uh, I haven't necessarily changed my ways completely because I have a a wicked bad sweet tooth. If I were in your shoes, I would be the same way, except I'm not a scientist and I'm not very intelligent. So I would not have created a scientific method to create candy. So um, I'd just be kind of SOL. But um, I, I get... Some some treats are way overbearing to the point where it's just disgusting and off-putting. And there are a couple of coffee places that I've been to where it's it's you spend the five bucks on the latte and you're like, what the hell did I just drink? I'd rather have just drank dirty soap water. Um, so no, to answer your question, no, I don't I, I don't tell the difference. Um, you taste chocolate you taste quality and you still get the sweetness and it's mind-blowing the wizardry (laughs) so you said your favorite is white chocolate yes i cannot say it was my favorite until i redeveloped white chocolate in my hands and Um, i have had her white chocolate so she's going to talk about this so i to me before I started making chocolate myself, um, the only chocolate that was considered chocolate was the dark chocolate. Everything else mm, was okay. a knockoff. I, I would not eat it. So am I correct in assuming that you were a fan of sweets, but just not over overly sweet because dark chocolate is, tends to be the, the less sweet, the least sweet out of all of them? No, I mean, I'm a f- I'm a fan of all sweet. I don't... I, I, you don't discriminate. I don't discriminate, yeah. <laughs> 
As, as, as my brother likes to say, I'm an equal opportunity offender. There you go. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there's something about the taste of commercially available white chocolate that I just could not get over. And when we were doing the blind tasting of sinless treats against the popular brands like Godiva and Lind and Seas and Russell and many others, we were actually coming on top. We, we would usually have a people, a, a group of 12 um, tasters. It would be double blind. So it would be blind to me and blind to the person giving the chocolates to the participants. And then they would record. And then the third person who would know which ones. Would, um, do you have video of that? I, I believe I do. Oh my God. That would be amazing to watch. Double blind taste test. Okay, go, go ahead. Um, and... Uh, specifically with the white chocolate they've reported and i think we, we used lint uh for white chocolate i uh, love lint <laughs> it doesn't taste taste soppy to you totally tastes yeah, soppy to me but i like sinless treats more <laughs> you you should you should come taste my white chocolate like i have pure switched white. i have switched i'm wearing the diff- i'm wearing a different jersey now <laughs> the jersey says sinless treats i'll make sure i'll get you one um so people would say it takes it tastes soapy. It leaves this uh, a greasy film in their mouth. I can see the greasy part. Yeah, and I was like, you know, um, because usually we try to get people who are kind of like super testers uh, because we really want to know mm-hmm. that the we're not sacrificing on taste because to me, to majority of other people, it tastes exactly on par with the premium chocolate, mm-hmm. whether dark milk or white. But those are those super tasters, they would be able to discern. And so um, they would say, uh, yeah, this one tasted soapy. And I was like, there's actually a reason for that. Would you like to know why? If you look at the ingredients of any white chocolate you would find, oh no. first ingredient would be sugar. Oh, that no. means that's most abundant. Okay. And this, and somewhere down the list on the position of four or five, you will find like. Don't break my heart, Beata. Okay, I'm not gonna tell. Okay, you. break my heart. Lecithin, soy lecithin, or like you know emulsifier. It's oh. gonna say emulsifier. <laughs> you know why emulsifiers are there? Why? Because it's not made with the real cacao butter. There's some real cacao butter, but most of the time it's like hydrogenated fat. So it's not real chocolate. It is not real chocolate. And, um, you know, in order to get those hydrogenated vegetable oils (laughs) not separate from the main mass, they put an emulsifier, a.k.a. detergent... So, so if you like the detergent that you wash your clothes in your chocolate. Hashtag Tide Pod Challenge. (laughs) There you go. So, so yeah, so we wanted to do none of that. We wanted an unprocessed chocolate means that we're not going to be squeezing cacao butter out of it and then reconstituting it with the Franken butter of some like no like, butter yeah I it mean, just sounds like too much work i, mean, it, I know but it's always it, it perplexes me how do you go and buy a three dollar you know belgian chocolate bar which was you know got a cacao beans from africa brought it to belgium manufactured the packaging somewhere and then shipped it over and it's still three dollars and fifty cents or it's a lot of rigmarole so it, you you have to think about like what's in that chocolate that 
it makes it so cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my dark chocolate only has four ingredients. And my milk and white chocolate have five ingredients total. That's it. Okay, so I'm going to open the box. Which one is the, because, I mean, okay, first of all, they taste fantastic. I may or may not have eaten half the box already. Um, but, okay, so which one is the milk chocolate? Because they're decorated. This one. That one's milk chocolate. Okay, this one looks so powdery and, and so good. So that, and- that's, that's, uh, that's a truffle, actually. So okay. it's not solid milk chocolate as of a bar. Gotcha. But it's absolutely delightful. It's one of my favorite things. It melts in your mouth. I'm talking with my mouth full. I'm sorry. I'm barbaric. <laughs> it's okay. We're talking about chocolate, and chocolate is love. It is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is really good. Okay. So what's up? Uh, because it does look powdery. What's What What did you top it oh, with? That, that, that's just a uh, very finely ground cacao beans. It's cacao powder. I love this. <laughs> but the ingredients there is basically cacao nibs. Not sugar, mm-hmm. not sweetener on the first place, but cacao nibs, mm-hmm. then cacao butter, mm-hmm. then uh, chicory fiber inulin. That's the one that's plentiful in Texas. Exactly. And cheap. Uh, plant-based natural sugar alternative, which is also a fiber, which is also a probiotic. That's the food for the gut microbiome, mm-hmm. which is also something that... Uh, you know, feeds your gut, protects your liver, and stimulates your brain, which is what we want in the real food. Yes. And uh, then we have mm. the uh, organic grass-fed milk powder mm-hmm. and um, stevia, uh, raw stevia powder. That's it. That's Five. it. That's Five. it. Yep. Five ingredients. Okay. Wow. That is great. So we're coming up on the close of this conversation and I want to ask you, because you're fresh into the chocolate game, your entrepreneurial journey, and so what is your advice for aspiring entrepreneurs, whether or not they want to make chocolate for a living, whatever they do, what is your advice? Whatever you do for a living, if it's a product-based business or a service-based business, do not, under any circumstances, listen to people who tell you, Invest all of your money into marketing and that will make you successful because that's a mistake that I've made. And uh, I am very lucky that I had um, advisors and mentors who gave, who looked at me at the opportune moment and say, you know, you've already put this many tens of thousands of dollars into marketing and you haven't got a single order. So if you're early in your stage and you just finish R&D or you're a little further along and you really feel that marketing, whether it's social media or not, is not bringing you sales, stop. Stop, take the resources that you have, invest in sales, make sure you have a very healthy pipeline that you get the resources back before it's too late. Because as you know, Uh, what they say, 89% of all businesses fail, all new businesses. Mm -hmm. The 89% of all new businesses fail not because they have a bad idea or that idea doesn't work. They fail because they ran out of resources of promoting their ideas and propagating it along. And there's a lot of resources 
here in Houston, but nationwide, that young entrepreneurs have that will free of charge give them the support and advice you need, they need. Uh, Small Business Association SCORE is being one of them. I have a SCORE mentor who I absolutely adore. And uh, now we started getting sales statewide. Uh, I'm represented in Dallas uh, World Trade Center, which I didn't even know was a marketplace. I just thought it was a a place where they traded stocks, kind of like Chicago World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mentor told me, listen, you don't have that much time left. You need to start making sales. Go to Dallas meet with the showroom director, see who will take you. And we were taken on by one of the oldest showrooms that sell luxury goods. It's called J Brands. So we're represented through J Brands to uh, many different high-end boutique stores. So we are now in five different stores, which is very, very exciting. Yes. But the thing is, everybody going to spam you and like, Put, like reach out to you on LinkedIn and say, let us do your sale. We will put you on the first page of Google. Okay, what type of sale? Mm-hmm. On page, off page, you know, for which term are you prompt? Like they, a lot of people don't get into those details and they fall into those traps and they spend money and the results are just not there. So if there is anything that I found out the hard way, and I made that mistake and I uh, fully acknowledge it because, um, as I said, the good advice couldn't come soon enough, is that I thought that by developing the um, uh, marketing, developing the brand, it will give me exposure and sales. No, it won't. You actually need to have a healthy sales pipeline in order to kind of feed back into this feedback loop and uh, then invest step by step as as you get more known through your product and getting paid for it and get resources, you invest in marketing and it should not be the other way around. Okay, final question, Beata. 50 years after your death, somebody stumbles across the story of sinless treats. What do you want them to take away from it? That everything is possible. If you have an approach and there is, there is nothing currently in the market that feeds that need, it is possible to make, whether it's through you know, research and development or just understanding where that gap lies. I mean, at Sinless Treats, we have a very healthy following of diabetic customers. And, um, you know... A lot of people, when they first got introduced to me who were diabetics, they came to me crying, telling me that I gave them the enjoyment of the sweets back without, you know, having this tingling sensation or, you know, vertigo or all of these other diabetic symptoms that they feel uh, when they eat regular sweets. And I'm not diabetic, so I didn't know any better, but... My invention that was done out of the selfish desire of having clean sweets in order not to make my cancer come back um, actually is helping somebody else in a very real time. One other thing I want to say, there is one um, ingredient that people will see online or on the packages 
uh, that goes in every product we have, and it's uh, broccoli microgreens. And people would ask, why am I eating chocolate with broccoli? And I'll tell you why. Because you, it, like in the United States, we don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. That is true. And um, broccoli microgreens have this compound, which is a natural antioxidant, that is the most powerful anti-inflammatory and anti-cancer molecule in nature. It's called sulforaphane. It's been extensively researched um, in, um, in clinical trials. And, um, you know, for the kids, for the little ones who don't really like to eat broccoli, but really love to eat chocolate, the three of those bonbons or a third of the bar would give them an equivalent of the whole serving of broccoli. Whoa. And this is why I don't gain weight eating all of that chocolate because it actually gets rid of the internal inflammation, which we all have. Fibrous. So, yeah. So if they find this 50 years after I'm gone, I just want them to know that you absolutely can improve health by indulging in sweets if it's done right. And that any need that, any product that the world needs and the service that world needs that it doesn't have can be invented and make the world a better place. Dr. Beata Lerman, everybody, you can find Sinless Treats at sinlesstreats.us. Thank you for coming by the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.